Welcome to Koshian Cast, the sports anime podcast where we only like Haikyuu and All Out. My name is Matt, <laughs> and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. That's me. <laughs> hey, welcome on, Matt. How you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm excited to start a new season. I know. We got a whole new season of anime that aren't Haikyuu and All Out. I know, yeah, we, we face these challenges somehow, but here we are. <laughs> well, we got, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, we've only got two shows this spring season that are actually like, well, that are actually really airing. It's Yamamushi Petal and uh, Tiger Mask. However, we've added on uh, an old classic by the name of Big Wind Up, or for those who are sticklers for the Japanese, Ukiku Furibate. Mm-hmm. And then we are catching up on encouragement and of climb. So this is going to cover week one of the spring season. So all of the sports anime between April second and April eighth, along with the first episode of Big Wind Up and the first three episodes of Encouragement of of Climb. Uh, you have anything to add there, Matt? No, uh, I just wanted to uh, remind folks that we're still wrapping up the reviews from the winter season right um so we have two left we're going to be releasing the all-out review as well as the tq and tq spinoffs review on the uh, next two fridays right so uh it'll you'll get one or the other this friday and then the following one uh it will probably be all out but we'll see yeah okay cool so, anyway, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to jump right into Yaomushi Petal. This Go week. right ahead. So, we are covering episode 13 this week. This is all about its legendary training camp, Yaomushi Petal's legendary training camp, rather. And where they ride a thousand kilometers over the course of four days. Uh, we have a bit of a new dynamic this time because, you know, they're adding Kaburagi to their inter-high lineup. And what they did, so as what they did last year, where they gave where they kind of gave gave the uh, the main three a like they kind of gave them each their own kind of weird little task that they had to complete while they were riding, or they gave them some sort of handicap. This time they gave uh, Kaburagi his own, where he's not allowed to ride within ten meters of his best buddy uh, Donchiku. Uh, however, what's interesting about this is that Teshima assigns that uh, task to himself as well. And what we discover, uh, Kaburagi is having a lot of issues trying to catch up to everybody. He's having a, he's having a bear of a time trying to uh, compose himself while riding. Uh, and Donchiku, even though he can't stay close to him, kind of shouts him some words of encouragement. Tells him that, you know, one of his greatest strengths is the fact that he's kind of a brat. And that he refuses to let anything go when he wants it. That kind of gives him a bit of a pick-me-up to get back onto the track. Uh, and then what we find out is that when Teshima, uh, Teshima mentions that they're not not everybody is guaranteed to actually make it onto the intertie this year, uh, this year, and what happens is that a character named Koga, who has actually been a part of the series this entire time as another third year, he he basically races on ahead of all of them and proclaims that even though he's generally just their bike guy, you know, he kind of works on the gears behind, he's actually, like, a very talented racer and is actually better than Teshima. Challenges Teshima to a race to take over his spot in the inter-high. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with their race ending with Koga actually winning because the dude is just a complete monster. Mm-hmm. And, but they're gonna keep racing throughout the inter, uh, be, throughout the training camp, 
uh, for the spot, essentially. Right. And that's kind of where the episode ends. So, ultimately, Matt, what were your thoughts? Well, I... My, my immediate reaction was that this was a much better episode than we've had the last few weeks. Right. Um, it felt like there was a lot less randomness. It felt like there were consequences for people's actions. <laughs> um, it felt like Teshima might not be so much of a, you know, a person with a perfect plan who considers every alternative. You know, like, he might not just be the ultimate captain. He's right. not just the, the, the reincarnation of Kinjo one year later. Um, so I like that it undermined some of the things that had been setting up previously. Right. Um, I, uh, so I'll, I'll stick with what I like. What didn't you like about it? I had two major problems with this episode. I, I do agree with you that ultimately I think it was a solid improvement for the series. I do think, though, that its central conflicts kind of required a lot of buy-in from the viewer, like, for example, the fact that Kaburagi, uh, like, his big weakness is that he's not allowed to ride with Don Chiku, mm -hmm. which I thought was a little weird. Because, you know, this is a guy who is constantly about personal glory, about, like, you know, riding on his own. And, like, I mean, they even mentioned, like, last episode that his big problem is that he doesn't work well enough with others. And the fact that we're supposed to just sort of believe that his big weakness is that he needs support from Don Chiku, eh, I mean, I think the scenario played out fine, you know, where we kind of, it kind of uses the opportunity to teach the viewer, you know, the, his, you know, we kind of learn his biggest strength is his kind of his independence, you know, it is the fact that he wants, you know, everything for himself because it makes him very single-minded and that's good for cycling. Uh... But I do think it's a little much that we have to... Like, I, I don't like the fact that the series is trying to beat it down our heads. Like, this is the pairing. This is the new pairing, people. Yeah. And... I mean, so what what makes sense to me about it is the way that Dunchiku described him. It wasn't that sympathetic, but it right. makes sense. Where he says, okay... Dunchiku talks about himself. He's like, hey, I'm the oldest. I always sort of had to understand and support my younger siblings i i could never be that selfish because there were always people who needed more than me um, but kaburagi he's the youngest and he gets to be the baby and he's sort of spoiled and he gets whatever he wants um so in that sense kaburagi he's like oh i love the fact that kaburagi has a thirst for victory and he demands it and he insists on getting it and you're like okay but how that actually comes across is that Kaburagi is spoiled and selfish, and even though he wants all the glory for himself, he can't do anything without Donchiku supporting him. Right. And it's, you know, on some level, it's weird. It doesn't seem like a very equal and supportive friendship when uh, he's just depend. You know, it seems like Donchiku is the only one giving, and Kaburagi's the one taking. Right. Uh, yeah, I I think that's fair. I think my larger problem is the fact that the whole purpose of this training camp for Kaburagi is to separate himself from Don Chiku. Yeah. But the but the way he gets better is from... Talking to Don Chiku. Yeah, talking to Don Chiku. It's just like, okay, we just have to stand ten, ten meters apart as we have this conversation. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and that, like... It would have felt a lot more satisfying if he had come to that realization on his own. Not only that, but, again, I just don't buy the fact that these two were, like... How these two characters were set up was that, you know, they came from this very elite cycling group, you know, that was based entirely off of, you know, their own personal merits. You know, they're they're single writers. They're not they're not really a team, they're just a group of talented writers. And the fact that we still are kind of reverting back to the fact that he's got like this very close friend that he always needs, I think that's asking a little too much of the viewer. Yeah. And so then the, uh, so the, Koga, I'm assuming is going to be your second. Yeah, the so Koga. I lo- I actually really love the tr- the twist that you know this kind of this quiet like unassuming character has always been like this god of cycling all of this time. Yeah, he's and just he's- been sitting in the background. I mean, he was there, but I couldn't have told you his name. Right. I do like that. I feel like this would have landed harder if I actually even remembered he was a person. I think he stood out so little that it, it kind of makes the reveal of this twist not effective when it just almost feels like they're introducing a new character. Yeah, he didn't have any lines. Right. Know? I want to say he maybe said one or two things at the very beginning of the series. Like, I want to say he had a conversation with a nota towards the beginning of the series but it's kind of one of those yeah this kind of feels like they're sort of reaching for a new character and mm-hmm. they uh they were just like oh yeah didn't we have that Ko- didn't uh the author have that koga character or didn't i have that koga character yeah sure why don't i make him a character i right. but that being said i do love that twist regardless i just it could have landed harder is all i'm saying mm-hmm if he had actually been, like... Because he wasn't even at the Inter-High. Like, he, if he right. was, like, somebody who was, like, talking with Teshima or Aoyagi just as a very minor side character, oh, man, this would have been an awesome twist. Yeah. Uh, I, but, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, in terms of the execution, though, what did you think? Oh, yeah, no. Execution, I think, was pretty solid. I like the fact that we... Uh, that they're finally addressing the fact that, yeah, Teshima has always been the weakest writer, like, I'm glad that, at the very least, uh, the original author didn't forget that little fact. Because it was feeling like... It did kind of feel like he did. Uh, because, I mean, like, you've already got, like, the three hotshot first years who are now second years. They, there was always that implication that Aoyagi was the better of the two of them when it came to cycling. Uh, he just... But, and because the whole point was that Aoyagi was always trying to block people off. You know, they worked as a team. And he would always try and cut people off while Aoyagi actually did most of the rest of the, like, the actual racing work. Yeah, I I agree. And it's good to see, I guess, the fact, well, Teshima said, you know, oh, the inner hire lineup isn't set. Right. Um, I'm the only one who can be taken off of it. And I was like, a little bit, I, I wish he had just said, if you don't finish in the top well he, he it seemed like he contradicted himself he said if you don't finish in the top six then you don't get to stay on the team is what he said first right. and then he said well i'm not sure about myself so i'm not really sure whether because it, it's not clear to me whether there's a possibility for kaburagi to not make the team right. it seems like there would be like if he just shuts down but uh, I'm I'm not sure. I, I think what they're trying to say in, in their infinite shonen logic is that naturally they're not going to lose. Uh, I'm guessing it's just that if they don't finish in the top six, you know, anybody can be kicked off. But Teshima's easily the weakest, so he would be the one who wouldn't. 
Uh, yeah, but naturally, all Karagis. five of them are going to fit uh, finish in the yeah. top six. So I guess they're just kind of getting rid of that little like, okay, guys, look, they're they're clearly going to finish in the top six. We're not going to play that. Yeah, or it's just like they said that in order to accentuate Kaburagi's little breakdown, right? Um, because he has to finish in the top six anyway, even though he's behind literally everyone right now. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I mean, but. You know, it's still... I still like the conflict there. I like the fact that we actually have to see Teshima earn something again. You know, it's a nice little twist for the captain of, of the team as well. Like, it's not something we see too often in a lot of sports series where the captain actually has to justify their position. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'll I, be honest, at this, at this point, I'm not that interested to see, like, Kaburagi figure himself out. <laughs> I think he's, like... He's, like, a less interesting version of Naruko. Like, at this point, Naruko is, you know, supposed to be resolved and mature and a senpai or whatever. Right. I kind of liked him better when he was a first year and nobody was supposed to look up to him. <laughs> um, and Kaburagi's just a less interesting version of that. So I don't really care about his resolution. I kind of hope he loses. Right. Because, um, yeah, I'd love to see Koga get on the team. I, I, I know that he won't be the captain because Teshima is going to be the captain because he's, like, such a good captain and Anoda believes in him. Um, <laughs> but it might be fun to see Koga replace Kaburagi. Yeah, that's but... kind of what I don't understand. Why wasn't Koga put on the team? Like, just yeah. in the first place. And that or, had... Yeah, even given the opportunity. I, I don't know. Presumably they had a backroom deal where he said, like, oh, if you can beat me at the training camp, then you right. can be on the team. That's how this always works anyway, so... I don't know. It's still a solid episode. I, I do like how they portray Koga. I do love... I love the sound effects that they use for his, uh... For his pedaling. Just those... Like, those... It's just got a real oomph to it. And, you know, it's like... It's a small thing, but it, it does kind of... It like, I think that's really what I liked about how they portrayed Koga. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of things we uh, liked how they were portrayed, uh, let's talk about the portrayal of Canadians in Tiger Mask. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you got there. Yeah, I got there eventually. Right, so this is Tiger Mask episode 26. We start off with Tiger the Dark, and it's revealed that he was injured significantly. It's not clear whether or not he'll actually be able to recover and get back in the ring. And, of course... Kevin blames Tiger Mask for the injuries that he received from the third. Um, and Naoto clearly blames himself a little bit, too. Uh, separately, Haruna meets with Miss X, and she says that Tiger Mask won't be able to challenge the third because he needs more qualifications, um, but he will have a fight with them sometime. Um... Rory, separately, blames herself for letting Tiger the Dark get in the fight, and she's questioning her decision to work for GWM, which, you know, yeah, you're working for the bad guy, don't do that. <laughs> um, Ryu manages to go on a date with Haruna, and then she brings Candy Pear, and they order all of the meat, literally. Uh, and on, again, with continuing the theme of random disconnected events, um... There's a new wrestler from Canada who joins NJPW, uh, whose name is Miracle One, and uh, he apparently has a reputation in Canada for being a high flyer. Uh, he gets in a, a fight, he wins his first fight, then he has a second fight with Ryu, and he gets angry because he is fighting the undercard, even though he is a champion at heart. 
Uh, so he beats up Ryu, and then he calls in Miracle 2, who is a similarly dressed uh, masked wrestler, and then they beat up Ryu together, uh, but lose on a technicality. Um, ultimately, it's it's revealed to the audience, but uh, not to the characters, that Miracle 2 is Kevin, and Kevin has sworn to kill Tiger Mask. Yeah, so this, I mean, there have been worse episodes of Tiger Mask. I mean, oh, by far. Yeah, but uh, I wasn't big on this one. Uh, I, I'm not thrilled with the direction that they're taking with Kevin. The fact It's like, I, I don't mind the... Okay, so the fact that he threw out the line in the first place that, you know, it's Tiger Mask's fault that, you know, Tiger the Dark. I mean, that's not really, like, a logical line. It's a line to basically throw doubt into Naruto. Like, that's that's the point of the line. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it should have just been a throwaway line. Uh, but, you know, kind of lead to something bigger for Tiger Mask. We're actually going in-depth here with Kevin's resentment of Tiger Mask. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be the Kevin Revenge arc. And it's like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, your, your reasoning doesn't make any sense. I know. It's, it's crazy to me because, one, you're blaming Tiger Mask for wrestling Tiger the Dark when they were supposed to wrestle each other. Right. And, but you're not blaming the third, who is the one who actually did all the damage and went way outside what he needed to do just because he wanted to hurt Takuma. Right. Like, how is the third not the bad guy how, you're trying and, to get vengeance on? And let's also not point, let's not forget the fact as well that you even mentioned to Takuma that he could have pinned uh, Tiger the third right then and there and ended the match. But Takuma decided, no, I want to be the, bi- I want to like show how strong I am and keep beating him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, if anyone, you should be blaming Takuma for Takuma getting hurt. Yeah, and it's just like, are we really going into this as, like, a serious plot point? And I get that the... I already know the direction they're going here, is that, like, Tiger Mask's big, like, return moment is going to be his match against Miracle 2, and he's going to overcome his self-doubt in the matter, and then he, and it's going to be represented by his beating of Miracle 2, probably also overcoming his weakness in his killer move. As mm-hmm. Takuma discovered. Like, I, I can already see that's what they're trying to do here, and it's just dumb. Well, yeah, and so just just for context, because I didn't say it specifically, it, it appears that uh, GWM is introducing these miracle characters in order to take over uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling right. from within. Um, so effectively, they dress up their own wrestlers in masked costumes and have them join in JPW. So right. that not only do they own GWM, but they infiltrate and dominate NJPW and, you know, replace all of its top-tier wrestlers with their own. Which, you know, is actually, that's actually that's actually a more interesting plot point than what we actually got from the rest of yeah. the episode. Like, I kind of wish they would go more in-depth with that. I don't mind the fact that, you know, if it's just Kevin, like, doing his job in uh, GWM and also, you know, maybe, you know, I don't even mind the fact that he harbors, you know, a little bit of resentment towards Tiger Mask, but to be, for that to be his sole motivation in doing this... Yeah, it's more, like. Um, uh, I, I do think it's funny that they chose to make their like made up, e- like infiltrator aliases Canadian. Right. Like, like why? Is, <laughs> yeah, I was just because I, I was asking you this uh, before we started recording. Is there like a stereotype in Japan about the jerk Canadian? Well, because... I think I think more so. It's 
that it started off and he was in character and he was like joking around and being wacky. Right. Um, but then when they scheduled him to fight Ryu, it like undermined the plan for the operation. So his true GWM nature came out. So I think maybe it's supposed to be contrasting the fact that, oh, Canadians are nice and goofy, but then right. this guy isn't actually Canadian, so that's why he becomes evil. And so, like, he couldn't possibly be Canadian. <laughs> Look how evil he is. That's a that's a weird way to play on a stereotype. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm I don't just know. throwing out theories here. Um, uh, unfor- I, I have to admit that as soon as I saw Miracle 1 appear, the first thing I thought was like, how can we make a theory of how this is the actual Yellow Devil? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's not. Um, yeah. Also, the, the more I looked back, they, they showed that scene again of Takuma meeting the, the original Yellow Devil and talking right. to him. Um, we could have just checked the voice actor. Uh, oh. He literally has the same voice actor as the third. Oh. And we just didn't check. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would have been the easiest giveaway. No, we had to we had to live in our fantasies of Fukuwara mask being in. Yeah. Uh oh well. I would have con- I would have con- like even if I'd known that, I would have convinced myself that they were just trying to set us up to think that and then have a a, a duplicitous reveal or something. Right. Anyway. Uh I wanted to also bring up something that was really baffling to me. I have never seen a joke land so far flat, as like so flat since days. Uh, there's like okay, so there's there's the setup gag about Ryu finally getting his date with Haruna, right? And you mm-hmm. know, there's kind of this setup line like, oh, she's a girl, she couldn't possibly eat that much. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the Yakiniku place, and you know, he's like, no, I'll be fine financially. I know it's expensive, but I'll be fine because she probably won't eat much. And then you, of course, think, okay, so she's going to eat too much. Twist there, she brings along candy pear. Okay. Which is weird on a lot of levels in that he said, hey, do you want to get dinner? And she said, okay, I will go with you. And then they hung up and she's just like, my friends are here and you're paying. (laughs) Like, what a terrible person. Who does that? Oh, I'm not even finished yet. Uh, so they go in and there's this big extended thing about how they're all ordering, like, everything off the menu, and, uh, and, you know, and it's like this whole, like, hey, can we get five of everything on this page, and can we also get salads for everybody, and blah blah blah. And beer, and yeah. And, uh, Ryu has, like, a small wince at this, and then the next scene is of him asking Haruna, hey... Do you want to go out by ourselves next time? And all I was thinking was, is that the best way you could play that joke? Yeah, what was the point of all that setup to randomly introduce Candy Pear, bring them on, just to be like, can we have five of all the meat? Right, it's like, like you didn't even, like, okay, so you have a cla- you have a very, very simple gag setup here. He thinks he's not going to have to pay much for dinner because LOL girls. Yeah, but um, then he does, but and then there's he no does. consequence. But the, not only is there no consequence, there's no even, like, wacky over-the-top reaction to it. Yeah, you don't even see the five of everything. At least animate right. the five of every dish and how right. absurd it was that there's no way no anyone's going to eat that. Right, we don't see him dejected afterwards or be like, yeah. Oh no, all my money! Like, <laughs> I mean, it would have been a dumb joke, but at least would have been a joke. Right. Like, yeah. there at least would have been a punchline. Here they, like, set up this big joke, 
And they forgot to have a punchline. Yeah, they just don't have a punchline to it. I guess the punchline is that Haruna is too full for Yakaniku afterwards because yeah. they have this whole pointless exchange about how, for some reason, Takaoka really, really wants to get bar- Korean barbecue. And she's like, uh, no, please. And then she says it again. He's like, um, okay, well, can we get something else instead? And then, yeah, is and that the it. joke? Yeah. Is that it? Um, the the last thing I want to bring up for for Tiger Mask is the deeply important reappearance of uh, Naoto doing squats while in a gigantic <laughs> hamster wheel. I'm pretty sure they just reused the same animation for that. I could be wrong yeah, about there it. There was I'll say that scene had not much animation overall. <laughs> like just the whole training sequence was real, real limited. Um, but it just like. It, it continues to baffle me the fact that they said, oh, you know, you're having some trouble with the combat training. Uh, why don't we do, why don't we just stick to the basics? And then it's, <laughs> <laughs> the basics is him doing squats in a gigantic, like, two-story hamster wheel. Right, like, doing it, like, eccentric. Being flipped upside down, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, that's the, those are the basics? And, yeah, I know, and it's like... You guys just not have a budget. Like, yeah. I, did you guys really go all out last season? All out? Yeah, I, we don't have that to lead all into right. it. Speaking of all out, let's <laughs> talk about Big Wind Up. <laughs> let's talk about the other show we like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Alright, so here we are. Episode one of Big Wind Up. Um, so the show starts out uh, with... Mihashi, who is our, our main character, he's playing a baseball game with his junior high team, and he's giving up a lot of runs, and his team is all frustrated with him. And it cuts to him in the present, where he is in high school. He is transferred to a high school called Nishiura. Um, and although he's not sure whether he wants to play baseball again, uh, he ends up going out to see the field, and he gets roped in to... Uh, basically doing a practice with them and he meets the coach the coach is a woman named momoe who is trying to create the club from scratch uh so the the school has never had a proper baseball team before so she wants to make one um so the only people on it are first year students uh, and they only have nine players right now um they find out that mihashi is a pitcher and so they convince him to do a demonstration just so they can see what he's got uh everyone thinks that he his pitches are super soft and he thinks so too he thinks his own pitching is terrible but abe who is a somewhat experienced catcher realizes that there's a lot of deception in his pitching style and that he has a lot of ability that they can use as long as abe the catcher can direct him uh, so they do a sample where they pull in a, a hitter named Hanai, who's very arrogant and says he's too good for the baseball team, effectively. And they manage to um, get him out three times in a row just by Abe manipulating the pitches that Mihashi does have. Um, by the end of the episode, Mihashi thinks, you know, it might be possible for him to actually pitch for this team. Abe is excited that he has a pitcher with something interesting they can work with. Um, and he says that together they're going to make it 
Takoshian. Um, <laughs> we finally got it. Co- exactly. Someone finally said Koshian in one of the shows we watch. Um, and so the, this is setting up that they're going to go uh, to their training camp shortly. And then after that, they're going to have a game against Mihoshi, which is the school that Mihoshi originally went to. Right. So I, I like this episode. I, I did have a couple of issues with it, but we'll go into it later. Um, what I really like about this show is how, like, how quickly it resolves a lot of, like, issues just in a very subtle way. Uh, for example, I really like how, you know, one of the characters brings up, like, Huh? You're a girl coach. Like, girls can't be coaches. Because, you know, I mean, that is a question that high school... Like, I'm sorry, in Japan that is going to be an issue. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and how can... in the U.S., honestly. Yeah. If you have if you have a woman coaching a high school baseball team, a lot of guys would be like, what? You know? Just because right. it's unfamiliar. Right. Exactly. And re- it's like, rather than making this, like, an extended plot point, all the series does is just one simple thing. She, ha- she does this trick with the bat where she keeps bouncing the ball, like, repeatedly off her bat... Like, you know, in succession, like, you know, she's not, like, dropping it at all. Yeah, she's she just juggling it. She's juggling it with the bat, and then she knocks it into the air, and then just basically hits it into the... And just hits it like that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you want to know why she's the coach? Because she's freaking good at what she does. She knows what she's doing, guys. Like, drop it. Yeah, and, and then she decides to intimidate them by grabbing two oranges, offering them orange juice, and they're like, wait, what? And she crushes the oranges <laughs> with her bare hands and then serves the orange juice to the one guy who doubted her. Right. It's who like makes him drink it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, and I really like how, like, rather than make this an extended plot point about, you know, like, we go into her backstory, what mm-hmm. it is she does. You know, it's yeah, like... she has to earn it. Yeah, like, no. you know, she has to earn it or something like that. No. We know immediately, like... Rather than just have to tell us, like, no, she's super good at what she does. You know, she did this, this, and this. It's like, no, you know what? That's why she is. She mm-hmm. she clearly knows what she's doing. We don't really... We may get into that later, but that's not the important part about her. Right. Uh, and then the other thing is, like, they mention, you know, Tajima. It's like, Tajima is, like, this incredible batter. Like, what's he doing at this podunk little school? Like, you know, because that's obviously something that's going to come up. You know, it's something that, you know, happens in Haikyuu, where it's they kind of don't address why... Nishinoya is really, you know, Nishinoya, this amazing liberato, is going to Karasuno. I mean, they get into it a little bit, but it's kind of like, rather than having to, like, have have this be a big question, you know, kind of question our believability, they address it right up front. Why is Tachiba going to the school? He literally lives right down the road, okay? That's yeah, all. Yeah, he's, he's a chill dude. He likes being able to walk to school, and that's all, and he's just... He's not that focused. Like, he likes baseball, but he didn't just go to a high school because of baseball. You know? Right. So, like, and that tells you a lot about his character, too. You yeah, You know, pretty exactly. efficiently. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I really, really liked about Big Up, about this episode of Big Windup. A uh, couple other points as well. Like, I love this introduction that they have with uh, Mihoshi uh, at the, like, basically as the cold opening, where it's, you can... So, the confusing thing with this is that his name is Mihoshi. Yeah. And the school he went to is Mihoshi. Right. Now, there is a reason for that. I Well, maybe there's not. I was going to say, it's like, well, because if his father was principal, maybe it's like a family thing. Because yeah. that was actually how I took it, was that he w- that the school was the, had the same name as him. But I guess that's actually not the case. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar name, but I, I don't... I, I don't it's really just kind it. of a... 
Yeah, I kind of, I kind of thought that's where the nepotism thing came from because, like, you know, maybe his grandfather. Well, actually yeah, I mean, him. I think that's what it's supposed to imply, but at the same time, they it is a it is a different name, and it is they do say it differently. You know? Right, that's fair. But anyway, what I did like about the cold opening as well is just we get some visual cues here about about Mihashi's <laughs> uh-huh. place on Miyoshi. Uh, because what we see is when he's pitching, you get, uh, you get, uh, shots of, like, a catcher with, like, a glove on his head. Like, in the middle of the game. There's a nice little pan down to the camera. Well, that was, that was the outfielder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the outfielder, sorry. It's okay. You get a pan down of the, uh, of, like, the catcher who's not making, like, any signals with his, uh, you know, he's not making any signals for him to do, to, for Mihashi to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's like... Okay, you know what that says? Immediately. Uh, he, like, this is a team that does not care about whatever Mihoshi, Mihashi does. Again, quick, efficient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they didn't need to spell it out. They just said, like, hey, the catcher doesn't like me. The outfielders right. think they're annoyed with me. Um, and it takes, like, three minutes. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, sorry, I'm hogging discussion here. I don't mean to not let you have a word in edgewise. Yeah, no, that's okay. I've I've gotten used to it. Um, the, <laughs> I think I think one of the things I like, and you know what I remember from watching this years ago, is how focused it is on the details of baseball. You know, this isn't trying to tell a big story and big brushstrokes. This is focusing on how baseball is played one pitch at a time. Right. Um, so they're trying to tell the story of how. Does Mihashi, who's a non-traditional pitcher in terms of his arsenal, how does he become successful? And how does his connection with his team and how does his relationship with his catcher make it so that he can be successful even though his arsenal of pitches is atypical for um, a starting pitcher? Um, From someone who, you know, watches a decent amount of baseball, what... Basically, what they're trying to say a lot is that he he's a technique pitcher, and tip, typically you make an impact and you become a, a strong starting pitcher because of the velocity on your fastball. Right. Um, it's the, the single most, you know, it's the single easiest indicator to identify for a good pitcher because, you know, if you're throwing 90 miles an hour in high school, right. like that's all you need it doesn't matter if you have good control it doesn't matter if you have a mix of pitches as long as you can blow it past people people you know everyone knows you're good right so if you can't do that you have to get really good at being technically excellent you know so you have to have a broad mix of pitches a broad mix of techniques that can deceive people without overpowering them um so this is interesting you know from a baseball perspective and sort of showing how do you develop a pitcher into being an effective um, deception pitcher rather than a power pitcher. Um, And so one of the things they talk about with his fastball, because he does have a fastball technically, um, a fastball is just sort of a default term that they use in baseball to describe a pitch with a minimal break. Um, And so what they say is that instead of his having, you know, the typical minimum break, it's what they would call a rising fastball. Um, and, and effectively what that means is that it doesn't drop the way you expect it to. Right. So there's, there's, a, certain, there's a certain trajectory that a, a typical four-seam fastball has, 
and because uh, Mihashi never learned how to throw it properly, he actually has uh, a fastball that doesn't drop as fast as it should. So it actually goes above where you think a fastball would go. So that's pretty much the, the premise behind it. It's a, it's a rising fastball, though they don't use that term in the show. Um, so again, so from someone who really likes baseball in its own merits, me, um, it's fun to see a show that cares about the details of the game. You know, one of the frustrations we had with shows like Days uh, is that right. it wasn't entirely clear that the author knew how to play soccer. Um, this is clearly written by someone who has a really deep, detailed, and right. passionate love for baseball. And even if you don't like or enjoy baseball or understand it, you get something out of observing someone who cares that deeply about something. Right. And it's interesting because I am not somebody who really follows baseball. Right. Uh, but I feel like this what the series does very well is it does very... It portrays the mind game in a way that somebody like me can actually understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I... It's like, it's in a way that's interesting to me because it's like, oh, I've never... It's like, I didn't even realize that there was that much to baseball. Like, right. to just all of the different types of pitches. You know, I hear... Like, his, you know, as an outside fan or like... Uh, I don't really, you know, I just sort of assume, yeah, you just want a fastball. You throw it really fast and then they, so somebody can't hit it. And it's like, no, that's actually, like, that's what I learned watching the show is like, hey, there's way more to pitching than just, like, being able to throw it yeah. fast. Yeah, you're not just trying to throw it down the middle, you know. Right. And it's like, that's actually sometimes kind of not, kind of to your disadvantage, but they mm -hmm. haven't really gone into that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, and that's kind of interesting as well as it kind of portrays you know, this was also, I remember when we first watched it, this was the series that really got me to understand the importance of a catcher. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, about how it's really their calls that uh, that really matter. You know, it's their kind of observations of the batter and how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you said you had a couple issues with the episode. Do you want to go through what those are? Yeah, it, it, they're not much. I, I There was... I, I did think that Mihashi joined the team was... Like, I, one of the things I do like is how they deal with things rather quickly. I do kind of wish that they hadn't gone through that so quickly. It was basically he was walking along and got grabbed by a crazy woman. Right. Uh, and it's just kind of like, uh, it's like, and then all of a sudden, okay, now he's playing the game. Uh, mm -hmm. And I mean, they do go into a little bit why he's hesitant there and everything. But I, I did think that the, uh, the setup was just a little too much. Like, it... I, I kind of would have preferred if we had had a little bit more establishing, you know, maybe he doesn't really want to let go of the game or something like that, so he goes over to the baseball field. And well, he does kind of say that, you know, he's like, oh, I won't join it, but I'm just curious what the baseball field is like, you know? Right. I guess that's fair, but it, it felt just a little too sudden, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was really my main issue with it, because it was just kind of like, okay, he's... Because that lasts, like, 30 seconds, like... All of a sudden, he's just at this other baseball field. He's like, I wish I could play baseball. And then girl comes up and is like, hey, you can play baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and, so, I mean, that was really my only complaint about it. Uh, there uh, there was one weird cut. I, I actually don't know whether or not I, I dislike this or if I like it. Uh, but there is a bit. It's kind of one of those things that's like, since I've gone, since I've seen the series, I know what they're doing here. Uh, there's, like, when, at the very end of the episode, Mihashi is kind of being, like, whacked on the butt with a bat by Momoe, and there's this very jarring cut 
to a girl we've never seen before who's watching the game uh, behind the fences, kind of like getting scared. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I know who that character is going to be, but somebody who hasn't seen the series, uh, it's just kind of like, who is this? What, like, what is her relevance? Because yeah. we haven't seen her before. So, and it's yeah. like... And it's the same on the preview for the second episode. They had that random character do the narration. Right. And it's yeah. like, w- there's no real setup to that. In one hand, I do kind of like how they... That that's how they're setting up the character. Uh, you know, because, you know, she is going to become a more important character later on. Uh, but it is a little jarring. Yeah. Overall, though, I'm... I was relieved, I think, because, you know, I haven't watched this in years, and it yeah. was fun to see that I still enjoy the show, and it's still, on some level, it still holds up, and I still am excited to watch the next episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm really glad that this turned out to still be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully it can maintain, um, and uh, we can move on to our last show. Yeah, speaking of something that surprised us that it was okay... Uh, let's talk about Encouragement of Climb, the first three episodes. Right. Uh, so, this series begins with Aoi. Some girls approach her, ask her if she wants to do things, and she's like, nah, girls, I'm a, I'm a go home and I'm a do other things. You know, mm-hmm. she's pretty okay. We Establishing she's pretty fine with being alone. She wants to go out and do shopping by herself, etc. Then this other girl by the name of Hinata just decides to grab her and take her away because the two of them used to be friends and promised to climb a mountain together. Uh, But all Hinata remembers is that this girl was kind of psycho and kind of did a lot of very embarrassing things for her, like announcing her crush to, like, her entire schoolyard. Uh, But Aoi really doesn't want to have to fulfill this promise that that they had because she's afraid of heights, because she broke a bone when she was a kid falling off a jungle gym. Uh... And then, but she still is taken home. Uh, she's taken to her father's place, uh, to Hinata's, Hinata's father. Yeah. Uh, and they sh- he shows them how to build a tent. And the two spend a little bit of the time in the tent. And Hinata's like, okay, look, I know you don't remember me, okay? It's fine. I'll go climbing with my dad. You d- I'm not going to hold you to that promise. I was just really excited to see you again. Uh, and then Hinata, uh, because of that, uh, and the fact that she kind of touches Aoi's hand, and Aoi remembers kind of why they were friends in the first place, and the two go for a climb on Mount Terran, and they have sandwiches at the top along with tea because uh, Hinata brought a burner. Right. So, yeah. Thoughts, Matt? Well, so, just for clarity, these these the reason that we're doing three at a time is that these episodes are like three and a half minutes yeah. long. Um. So there's it, it's pretty easy to to burn through them, um, and we do want to do the full the full two seasons this season. Um, right. So I thought it was perfectly pleasant. Um, yeah. It, it it despite the fact that it's only three and a half minutes, it felt like it had fully told stories. You know, it had yeah. nice little nice little arcs. Um, it has a surprising amount of content, and it's well paced. Right. Um, you know the the characters are a little silly. Uh, but you know if that's what they want to do there's nothing wrong with it um i like i I think it's kind of goofy that like hinata is so obsessed with wanting to climb even though she hasn't really it it doesn't seem like she's actually done it that much before because her father didn't think she was old enough so part of the reason that she's dragging away along is that she just wants someone else to learn how to do it with her right Um, which is yeah which is fine yeah yeah I, I, again, 
I like the fact that this is a series that kind of understands its length in the same way that TQ did, but also does it in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like how we have this scene when they first arrive at Mount Terran, uh, where because you know they're all you know uh, she's really scared. Uh, Oh, Aoi right. is really scared about, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like, we're really going to a mountain? Like, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? And rather than have, like, this whole thing, like, no, it's a beginner's mountain, you know, it's really not that big, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, instead, all we have is just, like, a child that walks by who's like, yay, I get to climb a mountain, come along, mommy. And yeah. that pretty much just immediately shuts Aoi up. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's not really that difficult. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, they're they're not really mountain climbing, they're just walking up a path. Right, exactly. Um, and, and that's and always it just sort of like, oh, before we knew it, we were done. And yeah. here we are. Because like, it's it's really, it's not a mountain, it's a hill. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and that's what I really like about it. It's the fact that, like, they they managed to get through that without a big lengthy explanation. They actually kind of, they conveyed it in an interesting way, uh, but without also taking up too much of the time. You know, it's kind of, it's breezing through it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you There's know, a lot it's, of similarities to Big Windup. Yeah, actually. <laughs> you know, I also like the fact... And, you know, I, I think it's nice, too, that we... Uh, Hinata's a bit more of a complex character than what she originally was. You know, there there is a different side to her. You know, on, on the one hand, I do think it's a little too nice. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, because I do think that there is a room for a little bit more conflict there. But, you know, at the same time, it's kind of refreshing to see Hinata have, like, have some level of self-restraint and uh, self-consciousness... To realize, okay, this girl clearly thinks I'm crazy at this point, so I better just address that elephant. In the yeah, exactly. Like, you know, at the, at the end of the day, even if they're a little goofy and a little extreme, they're not non-human. You know, they're aware right. of themselves, they're aware of their shortcomings, they're aware of how they affect other people. You know, so it's not just slapstick. Like, they, they do still feel like, you know, actual people. Yeah. Uh, which is more than many anime can say for themselves. It's more than I was expecting from this series. Yeah, no. I mean, I was expecting it to be, like, way more cutesy and indulgent. Um, yeah. But, at least so far, it's not. it doesn't really seem that way. Yeah. Like, I don't hate it. And I that is the best compliment I can give these first three episodes. Yeah. No. I mean, it was perfect, <laughs> perfectly pleasant ten minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week, if you don't mind. I, I do not mind. Thank you for asking. <laughs> well, do you mind if I ask you to hit the credits? I, I still don't mind. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiancast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. Keep training.